Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. This is a subject I spoke on some four and a half, five years ago. But just before I went away, I felt the Lord impress upon me to speak on it again. And so I've got lots of things I want to teach on, but I felt this is an important topic. And in a few couple of minutes, I'll give you the title. I want to start out by reading a verse by Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he makes an interesting statement. He says, it is not the spiritual that comes first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. How many of you know most Christians believe the spiritual first, then the physical? He says, no, no. You look at how physical things work, how God has designed the planet, and you get spiritual principles from them. And so when we look at things like sowing and reaping, if you plant a seed, that's what comes up. Isn't that true? Now in the spiritual, if you plant seeds of sin, that's what's going to come up in your life. You can't sin all the time and expect to live a righteous life. The seeds you plant, like in the natural, have a meaning in the spiritual. Are you with me? Now here's a verse I want to read that speaks about natural things, but it's got a spiritual analogy and a lesson for us this morning. Leviticus 23 and verse 22, it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field. In other words, don't take all your wheat or your barley out of it, or gather the gleanings of your house, the bits that fall on the ground. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. What he's saying here is don't use up everything Leave some margin. Do you know that we're living life without margins? And the Bible here says you must leave these gleanings for the poor. If you've read the book of Ruth, you'll see there, Ruth went into the field and Boaz left some of the field. And that's how poor people survived. If our farmers across the world would not reap to the edges of their fields, there would be no poor people in the world. See, God's word has the answer for everything. We wouldn't have social security because the poor would be taken care of. But here the spiritual meaning is leave some margin in your life. Why do I say that? Well, studies have shown in America that four out of five Americans are so stressed and depressed that they need sedatives in their lives. Four out of every five. And I think we're living in a world where we're not just stressed, we're distressed. There's such pressure because we don't have any margins. We're more prosperous and more technologically advanced than we've ever been, but we're more stressed out than we've ever been. Technology and, and time-saving devices have not relieved our stress, they've increased our stress. And now we're living without any margins. Have you looked at the pages of a book? If the pages of a book were printed without a margin, how many know it's very difficult to read it? It's like too much. And you know, if you print a book, I, I, I've got, Several books, I think it's over 12 books in print. If you put more type on the page, you use less pages and you can save 40% of the price. But how many of you know, you'll read four pages and then you'll just freak out because it's too much. I was looking at one of the older books way back, Moby Dick. You try and read that book, it's just so unpleasant. And it's the same in your life, you need some margin. If you look at this Bible with the margins, you'll notice how pleasant it is to read. Your life is the same when there's a little bit of margin. It's much nicer, you're happier, you're less stressed. And I was 
reading about how our bodies freak out, you know, in our cars, we've got, a, we've got a warning light that comes on. Generally, it'll tell you, if you drive a car, modern car today, it'll tell you you need a service, or need an oil change. And there's a margin that you can get away with, a week, maybe a week and a half, depending on how much you drive. But then it comes to a stop. And God has built into us the need for some margin. But if we don't listen, we freak out, we burn out, and we seize up. So I want to speak to you today on creating margins in your life. Our theme for the year has been creating. You have to create margins. They don't happen naturally. And if you ignore margins, your life will come to a grinding halt. The Japanese have a term. It's called karoshi. And karoshi means death from overwork. Because Japanese young professionals, 2,000 of them every year are committing suicide because of the pressure at work. Isn't that incredible? So they've termed it karoshi, death from overwork. No margin, just slaves to their boss. In fact, I was reading that in the Indonesian elections, the elections in that East country were so intense that during the day that the elections were held, listen to this, 225 officials and police died in one day from pressure. I wonder how many people in this room need some margins. And you say, but I'm fit, I'm young. Yeah, I believe if you don't pay for it now, you could pay for it in the future. But let me tell you about this young model. She was super fit. 26-year-old Czechoslovakian, Katerina Natalika. She'd been in magazines like uh, um, Harper's Bazaar. You can see her on the cover. She'd worked for Prada, L'Oreal, and Elle magazine. She was found dead in her bath at 26 years old. And the paramedic said this when they summed up what happened to her. He said her body was quite simply exhausted. It seems it was overburdened, and we understand her heart simply stopped working. Yes, it is more common in older people, but unfortunately, it also happens to young people. Fit, but no margin. We've really got to be careful. And Richard Swenson wrote this book way back. I read it in 2015, still in my library. He said this, marginlessness, sorry, or marginless is the disease of the new millennium. Margin is its cure. We're living with no room, no breathing space. We're reaping right to the edges of our lives and we're freaked out. And Isaiah warns us here prophetically, again, the natural speaking of the spiritual, Isaiah 5 and verse 8. It says, Woe to you, add house to house, who join field to field till no space is left and you live alone in the land. How many know that if you keep on working and working and working and adding and adding and you'd never pause, you're gonna be left alone. No relationships and you're gonna starve yourself of emotional energy. Let me give you a definition of what margin is. Margin is simply energy minus load. How much energy do you have after working? That'll tell you how much margin is in your life. If you go home at night after work, sit on the couch and fall asleep before you even eat, you've got no margin. You should be able to go home and mow the lawn. But what do most people do? Remote. Because we've got no, once load, pressure has been applied, we've got nothing. And we've got to learn how to create margin. Otherwise our bodies are gonna pack up and we're not gonna be happy. And you know, without, without margin, we're in red ink. 
But with margin, like a statement, we're in black ink. Without margin, we're, we're, in, we're freaking out. But with margin, there's peace. Without margin, we're, we're restless and upset all the time. And, and we, 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 we're short with our family. But with margin, we're peaceful and happy. And we're a joy to be around. We've got to be careful because none of us is like a robot. It would be nice if like a car, we had a blue light that went on and told us when we were overloaded. We'd be like, oh, my light's gone on. Okay, reset. No, we don't have that. Most people are living 120% lives. It's rare to meet someone who's living at 80% and say, I've got 20% margin. Most of us have committed because we're high achievers. But God's not happy with that, and he wants us to have some margin. So margin isn't something that happens. It's something you've got to fight for, and you've got to plan for it. So I'm going to give you five areas that you have to fight for margin in, and then I'll give you a takeaway thought at the end of each one of them. How many are receiving something already? Number one. And you notice my voice is doing okay? They prayed for me in the office upstairs. And I determined I would go on. And God is good. So number one, I might not sound young as I always do. <laughs> number one, we must create margins with our money. In other words, like it says, don't reap to the edges of your field. You shouldn't use up all your money. You should have a margin. When you have a margin and emergencies crop up, guess what? You've got joy. I've taught you on this recently. And what we do is we spend right to the edges of our money and then we end up bankrupt. It's like using up your time. You end up with no time. You end up using your money all up. You end up bankrupt. We've got to leave some. And the principle in the scripture in Leviticus is this. If you leave some, you're leaving it for the poor. Years ago, we, we taught on the fact that when there are poor people in the streets, you shouldn't give them money because the police tell us they use it for drugs. But you should give them something. You should have what we call gleanings in your car, biscuits, chips, maybe something to give so that you never turn away. It's very difficult because there's so many of them. You could drive through a street and, you know, on a trip and find six, seven people like that. But where there should be gleanings, we shouldn't use it all on ourselves. And can I say this? The gleanings in the Bible were not the tithes. When they reaped their field, they took all that harvest, and out of that they took 10% and they gave it to the Lord. But the gleanings were the offerings that they left for the poor. Are you spending so much that you only tithe and then you're proud of yourself? Or do you give offerings? Because it's the gleanings, but if you're reaping to the edge of your money, you'll never be able to give anything, and you won't be able to be a generous person. And can I say this? Generous people are usually happy people. And so we need to be people who have margin with our money. Ask yourself this, next time you have a big purchase, will this motor car take me to the edge and have, leave me with no margin? Or can I still do it with margin? Can I still give to God and help others? Or will this take me right to the edge? Because I tell you what, you're living in a world where you'll always have emergencies. And so we should not reap to the edges of our money. Here's a takeaway thought. Don't reap right to the end of your money. Leave margin, because then there's less stress and you can be a generous person. I want to remind you, Joseph taught Pharaoh how to leave margin. He told him, if there's going to be a famine coming in the future, we can't live the way we lived before. We need to save 20%. So they saved 20%. They left a margin instead of eating up all the food. And guess what? When the famine came, they were okay. 
Are you with me? Don't reap right to the edges of your money. Number two, we must create margins with our time. And I'm gonna spend more time on this point than the others because it's extremely important. We have so many conveniences today, but we still have so little time. We've got no time for our children. I'm busy. Husbands and wives, you've got no time for sex because you're so busy watching television. Then when you get to bed, are you interested? Now I'm tired. And the giggle tells me I've touched the mark. But you know what? It's funny, but you'll end up with a marriage that breaks down. And you'll end up with, a, with adultery because you can't, you can't spend all your time at work with beautiful and attractive people, but you don't spend any time with your own family at home. Trouble cometh exceedingly quicketh. From the book of Imaginations, chapter 1 and verse 1. <laughs> We've got no time for reading. You say, reading? Who reads? You read Instagram. You should be reading books because it stirs your imagination. Now, instead, we watch CNN and then we call it the truth. You got to be careful what you watch because you're digesting, but you're not using your imagination. You should be reading the word. There need to be margin for reading. You can inform yourself on subjects. Am I making sense? See, it's so important. And people don't go to bed early. They reap right to the edges of their time. They fall into bed exhausted. They don't get enough sleep. I was reading about this uh, journalist, Ariana Huffington. She runs the Huffington Post. She wrote a book called The Sleep Evolution. And the, uh, the Sleep Revolution, sorry. And the reason she wrote the book was, in 2007, she walked into her office and she collapsed face down on the floor, smashed her cheekbone, and had to be put in hospital. She ended up coming out of there and realizing she was not getting enough sleep, not living with margin. She was not managing her time properly. She was such an overachiever that she was living right on the edge. And so she wrote the book. She was on the Oprah show. And Oprah shared with all the people on the show and the, and the viewers that people aren't getting enough sleep today because they're reaping right to the edge of their time. Jesus knew when to sleep. In fact, he slept in a storm. And he taught his disciples how to get away and to step out of the work world and to change their location. Let me read this to you, Mark chapter 6. It says there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. Sounds like city life, people coming and going. You know, I was in Los Angeles. Let me just tell you this. I was in Los Angeles um, the week before last, and I was sleeping in a hotel in downtown, the Western Hotel, which is in the center of the city. Do you know the traffic only stopped from about 4 o'clock to about 4.20, and it was reduced to a kind of a trickle. There's just constant motor cars because we live in a 24-hour world. We don't know how to rest. But Jesus said to his disciples here in the good news, so he said to them, let us go off by ourselves to some place where we will be alone and you can rest for a while. The King James Bible says it very interestingly. It says, Jesus said to them, come apart and rest a while. You see, if you don't come apart and rest a while, you'll come apart. But we go, 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 and we reap right to the edges of our time. And we've forgotten a principle called the Sabbath principle. The Sabbath day. How many of you know it's in the Ten Commandments? You should keep the Sabbath day holy. But it's the one commandment most Christians think that we don't need to obey. Well, they, we need to obey all the others. No one's saying, hey, you can just steal if you like. I mean, we're not under law. No. But the Sabbath day is like an option. 
Well, let me tell you, God created the seven-day week before the law came into being. He created the seven-day week, and then he rested. And I want us to read Exodus 20, where we read in the Ten Commandments. This is one, it's the longest of the Ten Commandments, by the way. And then we're going to read it again, because I want to emphasize a few things. Are you all with me? Now watch this. He says, remember the Sabbath day, capital letter, by keeping it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or your female servant, nor your animals. Everything needs rest. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns, like Zimbabweans or For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. Watch this. But he rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. How many of you know if God rests, you, you, you ought to get the idea you need to rest? Because if the God of the heavens needs rest, what makes us think we don't need rest? Barbara Brown Taylor wrote a book, and in the book she says this. The clear promise is that those who rest like God find themselves free like God, no longer slaves to the thousand compulsions that send others rushing towards their graves. How many of you know we need to rest like God? Now let me take you one step further. Are you still tuned in? Read again. It's repeated in Exodus 31, 11 chapters later. You get the impression it's important. Now he expands on it even more. He says here, then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. In other words, you're different. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. And in South Africa, we would say, serious? <laughs> now, it seems extreme, and we kind of throw these things out the window, but watch. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days' work is to be done on the seventh day is the day of Sabbath rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, oops, is to be put to death. I mean, you know, when the Bible mentions something twice, watch out. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. Now watch. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Can I tell you that if you don't rest and refresh at least one day a week, you will be putting yourself to death slowly. You won't need to be stoned. You're basically stoning yourself. Now the Bible says here that this is a covenant or a sign between us and God. Did you know no other religion in the world has a Sabbath day? Oh, you say, oh, there are religions who have prayer on Friday. They have prayer, but they no, no other religion other than Judaism and Christianity have a Sabbath day. It's the thing that earmarks us apart from every other people. Do you know why? Because it refers to creation. That's why the devil has been hell-bent on destroying the book of Genesis and telling us that we evolved from apes because that's where our roots come from. We were created like God says, he created the creation, then he created us, then he rested, then he said, you see how I have done it? You need to do the same. No wonder the enemy wants to destroy creation. If you can destroy creation, you can destroy the Sabbath. If you destroy the Sabbath, you destroy man. Are you getting the picture? 
So it's very important that we have a day of rest. It can be a Friday. It's not the day that's important. Romans 16 tells us that. But we need a day. Our day is usually Monday. That's when we rest. And you need to have a day of recreation, recreating, because the creation breaks down. So you need to recreate, not just by sitting on a couch watching TV. You can be working on a car. If that's not your normal work, it'll recreate you. I like doing hobbies. Sometimes you, you go out go-karting. You, you can do something that's quite strenuous, but it recreates you from your mundane work. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so it's not a bondage thing. It's a freedom thing, and you don't reap to the edges of your time. You need a day of the week where you can pause. Do you know what the Bible says when it says that God rested? It actually in the Hebrew means he took a breath. Well, you know what? How do you think God created? He breathed, didn't he? He spoke, and he breathed into man. And on the seventh day, he sat back, and he caught his breath. That's what you need to do. Every seven days, we need to catch our breath. We need to pause. We need to recreate. And we shouldn't make excuses that we're always, oh, I'm busy. It's the end of the month. We're doing stock taking. Look here, Exodus 34. Uh, can I say this? You need to learn to say no. And no is a complete sentence. <laughs> it says in Exodus 34, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest even during the plowing season and the harvest. You can't have emergencies all the time. If you have emergencies all the time, you're a bad manager. You have to manage your life well. And you have to give yourself time to pause. You have to take a day off. Because here's what happens. You think you can get away with it because you don't get struck down dead. Commit adultery and people will come down on you. Steal and they'll put you in prison. But skip your Sabbaths. Guess what? You'll pay for it. When Israel did not let the land rest, you know, you're supposed to let the land rest every seven years. You're not supposed to plant anything. That's what the Bible says. It's a Sabbath rest. Israel said, oh, we know better. They planted crops. So for 490 years, they did it. Guess what? The Lord said, you know what? You think you've got away with it. I'm going to send you into Babylon because for 490 years, you've missed Sabbaths. That's 70 years of Sabbaths you've missed. So I'm sending you into captivity for 70 years so that the land can rest. Let me read it to you. Second Chronicles 36. It says, The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. You can do something over and over and think you're getting away with it. God is counting. And your body will pay for it. And God will require of you that which you didn't do. So we need to be people who rest because if God cares about land, how many of you know he cares about you? Can you say amen? So we need to create margins with our time. Here's the takeaway thought. Don't reap right to the edges of your time and strength. Number three. Are you all still good? Everyone being helped? Are you sure? You absolutely sure? No, I don't think you're sure. Okay, I think you're sure now. <laughs> number three. Are we at number three? We must create margins for life's challenges. How many of you know that every one of us will face challenges in our lives? None of us will escape life's challenges. And we need to have margin for dealing with crises 
challenges, battles, and pain. You, have you noticed sometimes you'll meet people and they seem to be fine? Then they have a small crisis and they completely fall apart. You know why? They've been living with no margin. Now that small crisis which you and I think, oh, that's nothing, that knocks them flat because they've not been living with margin. You've got to be able to recreate and create margin, spending time with God, relaxing, not worrying about things, so that when crises come, you've got reserves to face the battles of life. When you don't have reserves, you'll resort to pills, drugs, freakouts, and burnouts. Isn't that true? You know, I don't know if you remember years ago, some of you are too young, but our highways, they weren't as flat as they were, as they are today. They used to be quite hilly. Everyone remember that? And if you drove an old car, like we had these old Volkswagen Beetles, 1300, Anglias, Cortinas, you would put your foot flat when you're traveling from Cape Town to, to Joburg when you were going down a hill because that 1300 needed as much momentum and that thing would be crying eh? like a sewing machine, like a Volkswagen is. And when you hit the bottom of you'd be praying in tongues. You just make it to the top again. The engine's above. And you squeeze that thing up down the other side. Because there was, that engine was so small, there's no reserve. But I remember the guys in the Ford Fairlanes. Long live V8s, long live. <laughs> that V8, you just, you just feather that pedal. Because when you're going down, your four cylinders are only really being used. When you go up the hill, there's reserve to get over the hills of life. What are you driving, a 1300 Beetle? Or have you got a V8 in here? You need to increase your margins. Otherwise, you're running on the edge. King David did that. And you know what? He went to battle, and the Bible says that others had to help him. We don't often know when we, over, when we go over our limits. In fact, some people don't even see it, and then they want to add it, add more to us. We need to be people that are sensitive. Let me read here, because this battle-hardened giant killer found himself in trouble. 2 Samuel 21 and verse 15. It says, once again, there was a battle. How many of you know that's life? One battle's over, another one comes. Between the Philistines and Israel, David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. And Ishbi Benob, thank the Lord there wasn't that dedication name today. <laughs> one of the descendants of Rapha, whose bonds spearhead weighed 300 shekels, and who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again would you go out with us to battle, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. You see, David never realized where his emotional reserves were, but his men thankfully did. And I've come to discover that business people and pastors they're bad at reading themselves. And they pay for things long term and they can't understand it. They blame the devil. One of my friends, his family was brought into the media uh, overseas and criticized and, and, and they tore into him and it was all unfair. The media camped on his front lawn with cameras and they put him on the news and everything, accused him of all sorts of things he was not guilty of. 
They put his house in the newspaper. They even followed him to shops. And if he bought any wine or anything, they would report that. And they were living like kings. And, and you know what happened? They weathered it, but he ended up getting cancer. Because when you don't have any emotional margin, your body pays for it. And since then, he has been sick, and he has been sick. And currently, he's in hospital again. He was due to come and preach in our church later this year, but he's unable to come because he has not recognized that his reserves have been depleted by all the emotional outgo and by all the criticism. We've got to be careful we don't add to the devil's work in the lives of business people and in the lives of pastors. And we must be careful that we have emotional reserves. Don't put a burden on our leaders and staff and our connection shepherds that they can't bear. Lighten their load. I'll leave you with this takeaway thought. Don't reap right to the edges of your reserves. Are you getting some out of this today? It's very quiet in the second service. They were clapping all the time in the first one. It would have been better to watch the recording because you would have got excited and said, hey, look how excited they're getting. Some of you are sitting there saying, Lord, just keep his voice till the end. <laughs> How many of you are benefiting today? How many of you feel God speaking to you? Number four, we must create margins in our relationships. I want to encourage you to not let people in your life make such demands on you that you have no margin for your own life. Are you with me? It'll leave you poor and impoverished. As I said earlier, no is a complete sentence. But we've cooked curry. Come over. I might be speaking to someone in the room. <laughs> no, sometimes you need to tell your family, we've spent a lot of time with you. Thank you for the curry, but we just need to go home and have time alone. Alone? Yep, alone. We need margin. And too many of us are so enmeshed with our friends and our family that we've got no room to breathe. We've got no margin. You may relate to it, and some of you have never watched this because you're Christians, but the Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> Let me educate you. One evening I backslid and I tuned to that channel. I was so bored, I went through the channels and I thought, real housewives, Everyone's, every housewife's a real one. So I started watching this for a while. They, they were pretty well dressed at the time. But what I discovered is this, they're so in each other's lives that there's nothing that's private anymore. And guess what, every now and again, one person will use it by gossiping to another and by breaking them down. You gotta be careful that you don't share to the limits of your privacy. No husbands or wives should go to work, no matter how close they are to the people they work with, and share what happened in the bedroom. So what was last night like? Yeah, we ate popcorn. That's about enough that I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Some people go to work. No, we did this. We tried that. It didn't work. She was upset. I got annoyed. And Then you want to know why there's no respect between people because you've reaped right to the edges. There's no margin for you to just be you. We go to counseling and we share everything. We tell all our dirty secrets and we think it's going to help us but we feel worse afterwards. Now, I'm not against counseling, but you need to draw a line. 
And when you, when you have no margin in relationships, it's unhealthy, it doesn't help you, and you end up with problems. Jesus understood this. Notice here in John chapter 2 and verse 23. It says in John 2, 2 and verse 23, Now while they were in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Don't give yourself totally to people, except to your husband or wife. Keep some measure of margin. Listen to me, don't go sharing your deepest dreams with your best friends. They might throw you in a pit. Here's the takeaway thought. Don't reap right to the edges of your relationships. I reckon this is helping people. Number five, and this is the last point, we must create margins for God. We must create margins for God. Time with God is essential, and we must give God space in our lives. Are you with me? If we don't give God time and space in our lives, there will be no working of his spirit in our lives and we will be barren. There will be no revelation and no power. You'll remember when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus' garment. He stopped in the crowd and he said, who touched me? And they said, are you crazy? Look at the amount of people around you. And he said, power has gone out of me. You know why power had gone out of Jesus? It's because he spent time with God. There was margin. He didn't just heal and preach. He stepped away. He spent time with the Father so that when people touched him, something came out of him. I want to ask you, when you touch people, what comes out of you? It's not my problem. You go see one of the pastors. Or does healing life flow out of you? Does annoyance flow out of you? Or does life-giving words flow out of you? It could not be, it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that you've got no margin and you've not been spending time with God. Look what Jesus said in John 15. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Now watch this little word. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. In other words, you can say things, you can recite scriptures, you can find memes that have got positive verses on the internet, but you won't have revelation because you're living at breakneck speed and you're not making time for God. Richard Swenson in his book, Margin, he says, our relationships are being starved to death by velocity. No one has the time to listen, let alone love. Our children lay wounded on the ground run over by high-speed good intentions, is God now pro-exhaustion? Doesn't he lead people beside the still waters anymore? Isn't that a good question? You see, Jesus spent time with the Father, and he had margins, and that's why he received. But this is what we do. We get up in the morning, we're late. I need to pray quickly. Father, you know I've got needs. I need a brand new car. We've applied for that bond you know, at work, there's a whole lot of jockeying and there might be retrenchments. Lord, sort it out. I trust you. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. We, th we, think, we think God's on Twitter. 150 characters or less. Hi, heard your request, making a plan. Smiley face. No. 
You see, this is what we need to do. I have in my hands, it looks like a tea bag. It's actually a coffee bag. But, but you know what we do? How many of you know if you dip this tea bag or this coffee bag into water for 10 seconds? I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. If you then drink that coffee or that tea, it's insipid because it's got no strength, flavor. What it needs is it needs margin. God needs time to soak in and soak stuff out of you. And then when it's soaked in and it's soaked out, life is rich. But we leave no margin for God. I want to leave you with this takeaway thought as we come to a close this morning. Don't reap right to the edges of your walk with God. And I want to remind you, church, people are committing suicide at an alarming rate. I read the statistic in America that amongst college students, university students, 18 to 24 years old, listen to me, three students are committing suicide in America every single day, 18 to 24. Wait, I read that just recently, over the last six, seven months, two young pastors in America committed suicide. One was running a very large church. Why? Not because the devil got him, not because he's got mental illness, no. He has been living his life without margin. And when you have no emotional reserves and you end up in the battle, you have nothing left. And if you take no Sabbaths, they add up, they accumulate, and you end up deprived and you need to be refreshed. So I want to encourage you, create margin in your life. Become principled about it. Schedule it like you schedule work. Today we're doing nothing. You know, God spoke to me about this when I went away and I wrote it in my phone. I showed Pastor Vilma. God says Vilma needs rest. And then I put there, she has to take it because God said so, exclamation marks. I came home and I said to her, we need to rest. No, I don't want to go. I said, look at this. She said, okay. So this week we're taking time off because it accumulates. And uh, we end up not at the place where we should be, and I want to encourage you to create margin in your life. When you have margin with your family and margin with God, then you're a much happier person, and that's where God wants you to be. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.